Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Friday, November 6th. Week 9 picks against the spread for the NFL season. We will be joined by Teddy Pristash in just a second, going through each game of the upcoming week. Um, of course, last night it all started with the Packers absolutely thumping the 49ers. Um, I thought San Francisco would keep it within seven, just historically. They've done really well against Green Bay, uh, no matter who is on the field, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Rodgers showed out. Packers look good, and that's a, a good win back for them. Um, so they hopefully got things rolling. And hopefully me and Teddy got things rolling. We had a very interesting week this week. After two weeks of really agreeing on a lot of games together, we uh, got a lot of contrasting... A, uh, opinions i guess on this week and a lot of good uh, insight on the game so make sure to listen to all of that uh, before i pass it on over make sure to uh, like subscribe review leave a five-star review a rating i just i appreciate all the support as we try and you know build this podcast up obviously i do it whether there was five or 500 people listening. Um, so I, I just do it for the fun, but I appreciate trying to grow this. Um, so I appreciate all of your support as always. Uh, without further ado, let's kick it on over to my conversation with Teddy Pristash going over week nine of the NFL season. And as always on Friday, we welcome back Teddy Pristash back in doing week nine picks against the spread. Uh, we uh, didn't have a great week last week, Teddy. We went below 500 for, I believe, the first time in a while. We went six and seven. Um, obviously, the Bucks really screwed us over at the end by uh, by just how well the the Giants kept things close with them. Um, so we had a losing week for the first time in a while. Um, taking a look just where we're at year to date, you are sitting at 46, 47, and four. So just one pick below 500. Um, I'm sitting at 55, 41, and one, Teddy. It's really that it, we've said it the entire season. We have been really level with each other ever since uh, you know that first week that we did where we were just very vastly different. So we've been pretty consistent with each other since week two, and that's really the only reason the standings are as different as they are. But uh, what were your thoughts on last week before we move into the board? I know, you know, it was it was a weird week. You know, going six and seven, we've usually floated a little bit above five hundred, but to fall below, there were some interesting games for sure. Yeah, definitely, and I, um, these past two weeks have both kind of been underwhelming, especially yeah. it seems a lot better on actual game day than our records are, have been usually ending up, Right. which is unfortunate, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I think we've um, continued to kind of ride on the bets we like better, the bets we don't like, and, and mm-hmm. mix in some overs and unders, and still, still get some positive weeks going here, so, you know, I'm expecting a big bounce back you know it didn't happen last week but it'll happen this week right yeah and, and going along with that I think both of us um, you know were a little upset about some of our best bets of the week both of us went one and two uh, you know I was on the Colts minus three you had the Raiders plus two and a half as a, as a best bet uh, the Chargers just a brutal brutal game um, out of nowhere to be honest yeah, and I know I know we talked about throughout the days between recording the show and, and Sunday, I ended up actually betting money on the Broncos. Um, and, and, you know, for the sake of the show, I still, you know, kept the pick the Chargers. We discussed that as well. Um, but I missed on the Packers minus seven. I missed on the Bills minus four. And then you had missed on, like I said, the Chargers and then Rams minus three and a half. So hopefully our best bets do a little bit better. I feel like we've been doing all right. Um, with them, but last week definitely wasn't a great one. Um, I, I love all three of my best bets for this week, Teddy. I texted you before the show. They're all 
underdogs though, so that's what makes me a little worried. But um, we got some got some fun stuff this week. Um, so uh, let's move in in real quick. We're gonna just talk real quick about the first game that I I we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on because there is a lot of uncertainty when it comes to this game, and that's the uh, Minnesota Vikings taking on the Detroit Lions. Um, really, the biggest question here is who is playing quarterback for the Lions. Um, even at the end of the day, though, you know, the, the Lions, the story from their season, and you were alluding to as well, uh, when they've got Kenny Galladay, the offense looks competent, and when Kenny Galladay is not on the field, it struggles. And it struggled um, last week. You know, they only put up 21 points against the Colts, um, got blown out by Indianapolis, uh, and it, Kenny Galladay laid a goose egg. He, I don't know if he got injured on the first play or was injured coming into the game, but didn't end up playing. Uh, kind of just a weird thing, but... Teddy, when you take a look at this game, Matt Stafford or not, does it change your opinion on, on where you would go with this? Um, not particularly. Excuse me, not particularly. Um, if you just, I mean, if you take, if you even just go back and play the tape of us discussing the past three Lions bets, I mean, against Jacksonville, Atlanta, my analysis was essentially, I believe Kenny Galladay can elevate this team to be other below average teams in the NFL. Right. You know. And then last week, I mean, Kenny Galladay puts up a goose, which was odd. But, I mean, the Colts are, are at least an above-average team, at the very least, in this league. Right. Um, so when it comes down to Minnesota, I mean, for me, the lines are pretty simple. It all comes down to Galladay. Uh, he just opens up that offense for him. So, I mean, who knows what the line will end up being, but I'll, I'll probably be on the side of Minnesota. Yeah, I probably will be too. One thing that I had seen float around, I, I didn't want to just go out there and put that as our line for the show because I have no idea what it'll look like. Um, but uh, I, I saw Vikings minus four, and I don't know if that was when it was, you know, when they were considering Matt Stafford wouldn't be playing or if that was with him playing. Um, but I agree with you. Also, Minnesota has won five straight games against Detroit. Interesting little nugget there about those two uh, NFC North teams. Um, so we'll probably, I'd say that if we get the line, uh, we'll probably put it out on the graphic maybe, um, but not a whole lot to talk here. I probably agree with you. You know, like I, like you said, you know, Kenny Galladay without him being out there, it, it's the same situation where I felt with the Bills offense last year. If John Brown is your number one wide receiver, that's a problem for your offense. And if, if Marvin Jones Jr. is the number one wide receiver for Detroit, that's a problem. He's, he's a fantastic number two. Uh, but you need Kenny Galladay out there. So I agree with you. I'll probably go Vikings with this as well too, but we don't want to really go out there and say a whole lot about it because we don't really have the line right now on it. Yep. All right. Exactly. All right. So let's move off of that one now. Let's start off with a couple of five and two teams taking on uh, each other in Indianapolis. Uh, the Ravens traveling over to take on the Colts. The Colts, fun fact for you, 6-0 and at home versus Baltimore all time, including the playoffs. Uh, wow. Fun little rivalry game here because, of course, the Colts used to be Baltimore's team and then just in the middle of the night packed up a truck and moved to Indianapolis uh, without really notifying you know the city of Baltimore what they were doing in, in what was a really uh, intriguing uh, relocation for that franchise. Uh, so we've got the 5-2 and two Ravens who just came off a, a frustrating loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a game in which... Man, really, you take away that pick six at the beginning and a few plays that have been, you know, that were it just, it went against their favor. Um, you know, maybe that game goes out where Baltimore ends up beating Pittsburgh. Who knows? Uh, the Colts, as we were just saying, you know, really destroyed the Lions. Um, the, the, the offense has been humming. You know, Frank Reich out of a bye, like we were saying, you know, that the over was one of my favorite bets on, on the board of all last week. 
Um, they instead of you know they averaged 30 points off a of bye coming into that week and put up 42 against Detroit. Um, so both teams five and two, both in tightly contested divisions, Teddy, because it, uh, Tennessee is still hanging around. They're tied with the Colts for the division lead. The Ravens need to start, you know, really getting a, a handful of wins in a row going uh, to, you know, stay in contention with Pittsburgh. Um, and we've got the Ravens minus two and a half on the road. Since we locked our, our numbers in, it's gone down to uh, Ravens minus one and a half. Teddy, what are your thoughts on this game? And then I'll tell you how I'm feeling. Yeah, um, well, I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's two great teams, at least so far in this in this season. Um, I think the Ravens have been slightly underwhelming. I think we both have kind of agreed on that throughout mm-hmm. the year. Yeah. But then at the same time, you look, and before last week, they had scored 30 points in four of their six games. Last week, they're playing Pittsburgh, who has has deserved every right to say they're the best team in the NFL. Now, whether, I mean, maybe not like that, but they have the best record. They just beat the Ravens. Like, you have to give them their credit, you know, and they've earned the right to be a good team. So to me, seeing the Ravens lose to the Steelers, it doesn't make me, like, panic for the Ravens. Right. Um, The Colts, I don't know, man. I still haven't really bought into their offense. I mean, you look at the teams they've been playing, I think the Browns and the Bears have been the best two teams that they've played. Mm -hmm. Um, The offense has looked better these past couple weeks, but it just seems inconsistent to me. Um, probably the biggest thing that scares me, I'm going to go Ravens here, minus two and a half. I love it, minus one and a half. Um, the biggest thing that scares me with that pick is the Colts defense, you know, and especially their rush defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but last week with Ingram out, um, Dobbins really um, kind of had his breakout game. Uh, he had 15 for 113 against the Steelers, who have a great defense and a great rush defense. Um so to me, I mean, this is definitely a tough one. The Colts are a good team. I don't want to discredit them at all, but uh, I'm going to ride the Ravens minus two and a half. They just, the Colts have just seemed a little too inconsistent for me, and I haven't really seen them do it against a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to ride the Ravens. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, I really do. I think the Ravens' backfield looked better without Mark Ingram. You know, I, I think he had been having a struggling uh, uh, season before getting hurt, and I think the the combo of Dobbins and Edwards was you know intriguing. And, and Dobbins is one of the most elusive running backs, um, you know, in terms of in, in actual grade on elusiveness this season. I think he's at the top of the list still. Uh, where I go with this one, the, the Colts are really catching the Ravens at the perfect time. They just finished up the most physical game of their entire season, and then you got to acknowledge the fact that. COVID has kind of screwed over their defense for this upcoming week. They will be without star cornerback Marlon Humphrey. They are missing, I believe, six or seven of their linebackers, uh, which, you know, I I think it's still up in the air if they're going to be available or not, but there's a big chunk of their defense that is missing. They lose their left tackle to a devastating injury last week, and I, I just think that the Colts are catching them at the right time where their offense is finally humming. They feel good about their offense. Um, You know, Michael Pittman is now returning. Uh, They have figured out the run game to be able to not just force feed Jonathan Taylor. They're giving it to Wilkins and Hines. Um, And at the end of the day, I think this is just going to be one of those games where where the Colts just catch the Ravens at the right time. It's the line keeps shrinking for a reason. This opened up, I believe, at three and a half. It keeps shrinking as we get closer to the game. So everybody is on the Colts here. 
And, and really, I think if, if those Ravens players aren't able to play because of COVID, I think the Colts offense will have a much better time against this, uh, this Ravens defense. I'm going to go Colts plus two and a half. And of course, part of me is, is it feels like I always feel like an idiot betting on my, you know, my team against a great team like the Ravens. I, I always I'm, I'm always this same person where every offseason I'm a very optimistic Colts fan. I'm, I'm t I tell everybody like, guys, you are underrating, undervaluing what the Colts are putting together here. And then they start off the regular season five and two. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I become a pessimist when it comes to the Colts because I talk about their problems and where I, once they start getting the attention, I start getting less confident, but I'm going to stick with it here. I really think they're just catching them at the right time. Um, and, and I think the Ravens schedule the rest of the way isn't that terrible. They have to play Pittsburgh again. They have to play Tennessee later in the season as well too. So I think they can afford to lose this one. Um, the, the schedule the rest of the way is pretty light. So I'm going to go opposite with you here. I, I'm just rambling. I guess more so I'm trying to convince myself that I think the Colts can beat them. Um, but I'm going to take Indy plus two and a half here. Yeah, um, and I just want to ask you a question as a Colts fan. Um, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor? Do you know? I mean, was yeah. he injured last week? Was so, so the injury got reported out after the game. Um, oh, okay, okay. So it, 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 he probably got hurt during the game, but... In terms of what hasn't been working for him this season, um, his vision is certainly a problem. Um, and he, he also, I, I think, is committing a little bit too much before, you know, committing to a certain, you know, run path and not seeing the entire field and seeing the open holes. Um, because, yeah, I mean, look, Jonathan Taylor is a terrific running back. He's, he's got a ton of talent. And maybe, you know, eventually I expect us to get one week where it's like the breakout Jonathan Taylor game. But right now, you take a look at the offense. Jordan Wilkins is running the football. Amazing. And he has for three years in Indianapolis now. He is one of the league leaders since 2018 in yards per carry. He's up close to, I think, six. He, he's a terrific running back that just, for some reason, they haven't been giving him the ball. Um, Naeem Hines provides a lot of value out of the backfield in terms of a pass catcher, which Phillip Rivers loves. He's kind of like his own version of Austin Eckler in a little bit. Um, had a really great game last week. Yeah, it, it's a little weird with Jonathan Taylor. I, I was excited when they took him with the second round pick. I also think the offensive line uh, run blocking has been down uh, compared to last year and even the year before. Um, so hopefully he gets things going at a certain point. But it definitely has been concerning to see him struggle and then also see a guy like Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines really do well. So it, it's definitely uh, something to monitor when it comes to yeah, you know the yeah. Colts. Last week just kind of took me by surprise with the usage. But I mean, if there was an injury there and they were kind right. of dominating the game, it does make sense that they would hold him out. So Right, exactly, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, really think, I really think that Indy wants to do a committee. I really think that this will be Wilkins. I think that's what we'll get the rest of the season. And Frank Reich has always been that way. You go back to Philadelphia – when he was there, um, you know, when they made it to the Super Bowl run a couple of years back with uh, Carson Wentz and, and then Nick Foles, it was all committee. They, historically, Frank Reich is a running back by committee type guy. So that's why I was interested to see the second round pick uh, for Jonathan Taylor. Of course, it helps out. It, it was a good thing they did because Marlon Mack got injured in the first game of the season. Um, but I really do think this offense just runs better as a, as a run running football team by committee. So... Um, definitely something to monitor as we get through the rest of the season. Yeah, this yeah. is one of the games I'm most excited for. Uh, there's, uh, I, was, I was talking about this um, in, in an article I wrote for Stampede Blue this week. This week has 
so many terrific matchups and then also some real crapshoots, some real awful games. And this one next that we're talking about uh, might might be one of those games that's just a crapshoot where it's not that much fun to watch. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, who uh, lost by eight points to the Atlanta Falcons last Thursday night football, uh, they're traveling to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City 16-1 and in their last 17 games, including the playoffs. Uh, Panthers now 3-5 and on the year. Chiefs 7-1. and Chiefs destroyed the Jets last week. They open up as 10.5-point favorites. Teddy, do you have any confidence in Carolina to keep things close? Well, listen, these big, these big chief spreads yeah. have been screwing me all year. <laughs> and I just can't figure them out no matter what I do. Right. Um, but, you know, you take into account, I think the Panthers have not looked as great um, these past three weeks. Obviously, they're 0-3 since their, I believe, 3-2 and start, maybe 3-3 three and three start. Um, and then you look at the Chiefs, and I don't really know. I mean, the Chiefs obviously beat Buffalo. Um, pretty handedly. I mean, it got kind of close at the end, but whatever. Dominated Denver. Um, but, again, I want to take into account that they had that, I think it was a um, kickoff return and a pick six. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had two touchdowns that weren't really from their offense, more just um, the Denver offense and special teams making um, bad decisions or mistakes or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you take the Jets. Now, Hmm. Again, this is the the Chiefs. They've looked great by any other team's standards. Um, But then you take it to the flip side of um, the Panthers, who have also not looked great. But you just go, Teddy Bridgewater, he's 20-2 against the spread as a starter in non-divisional games, which I love those specific stats like that. Wow. Teddy Bridgewater has always been that guy who everyone, like, the the stats back it up that he's the guy. That's so interesting. You know, he's also 18-2 and two as an underdog. Um, I'm going to roll with the Panthers. I think I have, like, some weird affinity to them just because you of do. Robbie Anderson. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like DJ Moore. I don't know, man. But but these big spreads have been tough for me. I'm going to roll with Teddy Bridgewater because he usually covers. I'm going to go Panthers plus 10.5. I don't love it. Who knows what will happen with these big spreads. But Panthers plus 10.5 is where I'm going to stake my claim. Yeah, I, so I'm going to go on the flip side with you. I'm going Chiefs minus 10.5. Um, more so just as in I think Carolina... Teddy is just is is too inconsistent at, at this point. I feel like what we've seen so far, we've seen a, a few really great games. But man, he looked bad against Atlanta. And Atlanta's defense is awful. Um, and he's had a few games where you just go like, ooh, what are we getting here? Um People need to start recognizing the Chiefs' defense as one of the best in football. I think since the second half of last year's regular season, they have been performing at a at, a, at an elite level. Um, and so, you know, people need to give them more credit where credit is due. Uh, one really interesting fact, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it's hopeful now, I think. It's looking like Chris Jones has returned back to the team and, and is COVID negative. But he was one that was like had to get sent home. Uh, because um, of the staff member who tested positive for COVID on the Chiefs. So um, I think he's back, so I think he should be playing. I just think that the the Chiefs are a really just a, a great team. I, I, I still feel like out of, we take a look at the league, I'd say out of the field, injuries aside, I would take Kansas City against everybody else to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, they've got things rolling better than anybody. I, I think a double-digit win is 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 coming for the Chiefs this week. Yeah, 
So, so yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Teddy, we, we really agreed with each other the last two weeks. We start, um, with two disagreements in a row. I'm excited to see where we go with this one because I flipped my pick about five minutes before we started recording here. Uh, the Chicago bears five and three, uh, fresh off of a, a narrow loss, um, to the new Orleans saints in overtime last week. Uh, Two-game losing streak, if you want to take into account that they lost to the Rams on Monday Night Football the, uh, the week before. They are traveling to take on another uh, team on a two-game losing skid. Uh, the Tennessee Titans lost to Pittsburgh two weeks ago in, uh, in a valiant effort to overcome a second-half deficit. And then they got destroyed by Joe Burrow uh, up in Cincinnati last week. They return home, 5-2 uh, and two team against the 5-3 and three Bears. Titans open up as six-point favorites. The number is scary here for me, Teddy. It's two good teams, uh, but also both of them have their flaws. Um, where do you go with this one? Yeah, I mean, this one has been two teams who I feel like have been cursing me all year. Yep. Um, the Titans, I just want to start, let's look at some numbers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the Titans have been two and five against the spread all year. Ugh. Now... Other than these past two weeks, that hasn't really led to them um, getting a lot of losses. But even in their wins, they've been looking pretty inconsistent. Um, then you go on the flip side of that. The Bears, at least their defense, has been dominant consistently every year. Um, they've let up 20. The highest points they've let up all year is 26. One of those games was against Atlanta when they scored 30 and won the game. The other was last week against the Saints, which, you know, it's a three-point loss. Um, now, do I sit here and say that I think the Titans will continue to win these ugly games by one possession? Yes, I do. I do think that. Hmm. But I think six is a lot of points. I think you just look at the history of what's happened this year. Um, and it honestly, just straight up, just the numbers makes it kind of simple for me. I think six is a big spread, especially when you're talking about this Bears team that has overperformed and this Titans team that has underperformed. Um, so I'm going to go Bears plus six. If you had showed me this line at the beginning of the year and asked me if at any point in the season I wouldn't be taking Titans minus six, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, but here we are, and, and honestly, this one's pretty easy for me. God, this see, this one is so tough for me, Teddy. There's so many different things that you have to consider here. Like the Bears offense, people are really harping on the Bears offense. They faced good defenses recently. You know, they faced a Rams defense. They faced the Colts defense. Um, the Saints is is okay. It's it's I've been pretty hard on it this year, so it's not great. They they faced some tough defenses. So you think, okay, Tennessee's defense has been really bad this year. Really bad to the point where Mike Vrabel actually just sent people home this week. He said, Vic Beasley, we do not want you on this team anymore. You're not giving the effort we need. Goodbye. Let go of some other guys on the defensive side. They traded for a cornerback, Desmond King, or a defensive back in there to help out uh, on the back end of their defense. So you say, okay, well, the Bears have been playing a lot of tough defenses. Now they've got an easy opponent coming up here. So, okay, maybe they'll be able to put up some points. And then for the Titans, the Bears' defense is really good, but they struggle in two areas. One, against the run. Hey, Derrick Henry's a great running back. And two, against play action. And that is the entirety of of Tennessee's offense. They run the ball and then they do play action. That is it. So on that side, I say, okay, the Bears defense is great, but where they struggle fits right into the hands of Tennessee. I was originally on Bears plus six. I've switched to Titans minus six. Um, I think that they're going to win by a touchdown here. I just, I have a feeling that 
what do I trust more, the Titans offense to be able to dial up successful run plays and play action plays, or do I trust the Saints off or the Bears offense to finally get things going against a lesser opponent? I have more questions about the Bears and Nick Foles than I do the Titans. They're on the two-game losing skid, which is a little worrisome. They need this win. You also, I'm also a little worried because this is a, a look-ahead game for the Titans, too. They've got the Colts coming up next week on Thursday Night Football. So you're thinking, okay, maybe they're looking ahead to this, kind of like how Tampa Bay this past week looked ahead of the Giants because they knew they had the Saints on Sunday Night Football. Then they only end up barely beating the, uh, the, um, the Giants on Monday Night Football. So it's like, man, where do you go with this? I don't feel good about it at all, but I'm going to stick with my guns here. I'm going to say the Titans minus six. I just, I know, I know if their offense gets back to the way that it's successful, running the ball and play action, they will be able to put up points on this Bears defense. So, um, even though I think the Bears will show a little bit more offensively than we've seen in the last month or so, I think the Titans will will get rolling, get back to their winning ways. I'm more of a believer in Tennessee than I am Chicago. This will be an interesting one. For I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm still really not confident in this. Not God, we're, so we're, we're, we are uh, we haven't agreed on a single game yet this week. So we're gonna have a very interesting swing one way or the other. So let's go now to um, God. A, a really a, another really intriguing line here. The Denver Broncos three and four. The amazing comeback this past week against the Los Angeles Chargers. They win it at the very last second on a touchdown pass from. Uh, from Drew Locke, the extra point ends up winning it for Denver. They travel now to take on the Falcons, who are 2-6. and six, Just beat the Panthers by 8 on Thursday night football. Um, but still, a lot, of, a lot of problems in Atlanta. You know, they've got uh, Tack McKinley, uh, one of their defensive linemen, who is a very talented individual, has made it clear that he doesn't want to be in Atlanta. Um, went out on Twitter and called the Falcons clowns uh, because they didn't trade him. Uh, which is a very interesting move to do, especially when you don't get moved and you know that you have to stay on the team for the rest of the year. Uh, so Atlanta's got a lot of things that just like are kind of weird. Broncos also, it's like, are they good? Are they not good? The defense is good. Is Drew Locke good? There's so much confusion for both these teams. The Falcons open up as four-point favorites at home. Teddy, are, which team do you have more faith in that can get some wins going at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, you take a look at the Falcons – they have looked better-ish these past three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely good to see them kind of hold on to a close game against the Panthers last week, just in terms of, of for their own sanity, um, being able to hold on to to a lead that looks like it's it's going to be easily overtaken. It's definitely um, worth giving them their credit. Then you look at the flip side, the Broncos. Um, obviously, like you said, their defense has been really good. Um, they came back out of nowhere against the Chargers, like I said at the beginning of the show. It just kind of, I like wasn't even paying attention anymore, and then all of a sudden we lost that bet. Yeah. Um, but I did think I, that gave me some more confidence in Drew Locke, um, gave me some moxie, um, or gave him some moxie back. Uh, I think the Falcons definitely might win this game, but when I look at plus four, it's just it's just too much for me to uh, take them minus four. So I'm going to go Broncos plus four, just because I think it'll be a close one. Um, and I don't really have confidence in either of these teams, but I'm, maybe Drew Locke will keep it rolling. Yeah, so here's my thing on the Broncos. They are quietly one of the hottest teams in the league. You know, they've won three out of their last four. 
So they got a really bad start to the season. They were the most injured team in football. You know, they lose Von Miller before the season. They lose the receivers. No Cortland Sutton for the year. Tackle play is injured. Really, they're, they're, they, they have just been screwed all over the place. Drew Locke missed a few games. Um, and, and, and since they've started to get healthier, they've won three out of their last four after starting the season 0-3. Um, I'm all over the Broncos plus four. I've got them to win. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't have a tough time figuring this one out. I think Atlanta is still one of the worst teams in football. Um, they've got one of the worst defenses in football. And Denver, I think, is really well coached. I love Vic Fangio as a head coach. Um, you know, sometimes I get a little bit, I question a little bit some of these older coaches to make sure that they don't try and stick too hard to their old ways. He's only done so defensively, and that's where he's good at. So, like, let's keep it there and let's let, you know, a young offensive coordinator kind of run this offense for Denver. So, um, I, I, I like Denver. They're quietly a, a team that is really putting together, you know, consistent wins here. So I'm going to take them plus four. I'm going to take them to win the game. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about it. Finally, we agree. Yeah, we agree on one. Let's see if we can make it two. I bet we will. Uh, heading on down to Jacksonville, where we've got two one and six teams. Uh, the Texans, um, really just a, a disaster of a season, kind of just sending it in. Next offseason, hopefully you find a GM that can kind of fix all of their problems. Jacksonville, it will not be Gardner Minshew. He is dealing with an injury. Um, so they've got a new quarterback in there as well, too. Houston has won five straight games versus Jacksonville. Texans, touchdown uh, favorites here. Uh, Teddy, are you rolling with me and, and Deshaun Watson and the Texans here? Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, roll back the tape. Listen to what I probably said about every Jaguar spread these past couple weeks. Um, they just have looked bad all oh, yeah. year. Um, then you throw in Jake Lutton yeah. for me too. <laughs> yeah. I, you probably know a ton about Jake Lutton. I've never heard the name before. Um, <laughs> the Texans, I mean, yes, you're right, lost season, but it, it just comes down to talent, you know? And I mean, their last two losses have been a pretty good game with Tennessee, you know, lost in overtime, and then against Green Bay, which wasn't really that close, but I think that's what you expect when you take a bad team and put them against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming off their bye this week. I just, I, I think, I, I don't have any regard for the Jaguars, so this one's pretty easy for me. Texans minus seven. Yeah, it's easy for me too. I, I think these are two very bad teams, but one of these teams has a top five or. Five to seven quarterback in football, and the other is starting a guy who started his career in Idaho, uh, went to a two-year college, uh, Ventura College in Southern California, um, and then he got uh, another opportunity to play at Oregon State. It was a six-round pick this year. Uh, not a whole lot to love about him. Not a whole lot to love about the Jaguars. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in football. And they're another team where their their era with uh, you know is it Dave Caldwell that's still down there and uh, and Doug Marone. Um, their, their, their careers in Jacksonville will be over by the end of this season. The Texans have Deshaun Watson and, and the Jaguars don't. So I'm, I'm with you. Two picks in a row now that we agree. Texans minus seven. Um, really, really fun game here. Uh, to me, it's a fun game. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't look like one on board. I have a lot of fun, uh, you know, kind of thoughts about this game. Um, going over to Washington, where the football team, uh, fresh off of their bye week, sitting at 2-5, and five, are hosting the 1-7 New York football Giants. Giants obviously kept things close uh, with um, Tampa Bay this past week, ended up losing very much uh, in a tight game at the end. But look, one thing I'll give the Giants credit for, they've been improving with each and every week. The Reds, or, ooh, ooh, almost got me there, the football team. 
opens up as two and a half point favorites. Teddy, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing uh, that I just want to point out, three weeks ago when these two teams played, um, the Giants did cover the spread. Mm -hmm. So just something to keep in mind as we go forward here. And that Um, one was also, so that that one, the Giants were minus two and a half in that one too. So now they're the underdogs. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for me, Washington's defense has been playing really well. Um, I mean, Chase Young has been, like, unbelievable. He's done everything you could have asked for. Um, And for the Giants, that Tampa Bay game, yeah, it was great to see him put up a fight. I think it's it's easy for those primetime games to kind of be those oddball games. Yeah. Because... Everyone's watching, like you said. Maybe the Bucks were looking ahead. Um, I'm not worried about the Bucks, and I, I it, it didn't really give me any great belief in the Giants. When you watch Daniel Jones play, listen, give the kid all the credit in the world. He plays hard, you know, and and I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. And but but I, he missed so many throws, and he's been doing it all year. So many deep balls um, that. It's like if he could just connect on them, I would have some belief in him going forward as a quarterback. But but after watching that game against the Bucks, I think there was like three or maybe four just wide open Darius Slayton plays, and he's just getting overthrown, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just really doesn't give me any, um, any confidence in Daniel Jones, and I think this Washington front seven is going to be able to get to him, which is never a good recipe for a bad young quarterback. Um, so I'm going to take Washington minus two and a half. Um, I, I really don't like the Giants, so I kind of like this bet a lot. Yeah, well, that's so interesting because I like this bet a lot too, and I'm going on the flip side of you. I, I'm taking the Giants right. plus two and a half here. I'm going to take them to win the game. Here's my thing with the Giants. Joe Judge is a terrific head coach. Uh, this this football team has gotten better every single week throughout the season. I know they're one and seven. They're a bad roster. They kind of, they, they resemble to me a team that we'll talk about a little bit later in the Miami Dolphins, where it's like this team should not be good, but they keep games close. They're going to start winning. And by the end of the season, I think there's, here's my thing. I hate Bill Belichick so much for this because he hides his best coaches in that coaching staff. He, he has Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia as the two coordinators out there. And gives both of them the opportunity to go be a head coach. Both have not panned out. Meanwhile, he hides Joe Judge as a special teams assistant in 2012. Then he becomes the special teams coordinator. He stays there. And then in 2019, they just add on the wide receivers coach for him as well, too. He goes with the Giants. The the team loves Joe Judge. The, The Giants have a lot of things to fix, but one of those is not head coach. Joe Judge is going to be a really good coach for the New York football Giants. I don't love the GM. I think if they're in a situation where they can get Lawrence or Justin Fields, you definitely have to move on from Daniel Jones. But they've got the head coach. Um, And I just think another thing to take into consideration too, you said there were a lot of deep plays where Slayton was available on the back end of that defense. Washington has a really bad secondary. Um, So they'll they'll be able to put pressure on Jones. He's just got to connect on a few of those deep ones. I don't have a ton of confidence in Washington offensively. Um, I just think right now that the Giants are just one of those teams. They're just getting better with every week, and it's Joe Judge. And I, I think this team loves playing for him. Um, I, I think that's why you kind of see, I, I don't know, you don't hear a lot of rumors about people being upset in New York right now. You hear it in Atlanta, you know, Tack McKinley's frustrated, Jets players frustrated playing with the Jets. 
you, you think, um, what's another situation? The Cowboys right now, they've spoken out against Mike McCarthy. No one is talking bad about this slow start for the Giants. They love playing for this head coach. Um, and I, I think that I think that they'll be able to get the win here. I'm going to take Giants plus two and a half, and I really love it. Yeah, and, and I just want to kind of piggyback off that, um, kind of regardless of this game. Um, that's that's what these good coaches do. You know, you say they've been getting better every week. That's a great sign to see, especially from a team that at the beginning of the year looked a lot like the Jets, you know? Yeah. Looked a lot just like horrible, isn't going to be able to do anything against any team. Um, and I think that's the same, like you said, with the Dolphins last year. You look at these teams who at the beginning – Everyone is burying, saying these are going to be 0-16 teams. But then good coaches can elevate that play throughout the year. Yeah, like you said, they're still 1-7. But but you can see at least some type of improvement, yeah. which is not something that I've ever seen <laughs> from the Jets. Exactly. So, and, and So you said no one's mad in New York. I'm in New York. I'm furious, just not oh, the yeah. Giants. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no one's mad about the Giants. Everyone's mad about the Jets. I know. Here, look at the Giants' schedule, man. So they, they lose by 10 to the Steelers week one. I've talked about that game a million times. Daniel Jones had a red zone turnover. That's a one-possession game if he, he gets at least a field goal out of it. They lose by four to the Bears. They get blown out by the 49ers. So that's the one bad loss they have this year. Everything else is close. They lost by eight to the Rams, three to the Cowboys. One, or they won by one point against Washington. Lost one to the, uh, to the Eagles. Lost by two to the Bucks. They aren't losing big games here. Uh, they just yeah, they, right. they keep getting better. They had a tough schedule. I mean, think about those teams. Steelers, Bears, 49ers at that point in week three were one of the better football teams. The Rams. Um, the Eagles are going to win that division probably. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that as the schedule opens up, you look at the second half. They've got Washington. They play uh, Philadelphia again. They get games against the Bengals, the Browns. Uh, the Cowboys again, I, I just think it's going to be one of those teams where they start really getting some wins at the end of the season that honestly, it might put them out of position from being able to get a, a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So that's something to monitor as well, too. Their best option may be to roll it out again with Daniel Jones just based off where they're picking. Um, but I, I'm all in on Joe Judge. Uh, I, I really do uh, think and I think they'll be able to pick up the win this week. A lot of disagreements, Teddy. A lot of disagreements here. Um, and I, I, yeah, we'll see. And, and here's one of those games. You know, we talk about the crapshoot that is the Texans, Jaguars, Giants, Washington football team. Really fun game uh, in Buffalo. We've got the Seattle Seahawks traveling uh, to the East Coast to take on the Bills. Seahawks six and one. Uh, Bills sitting at six and two. Russell Wilson nine and one career record against the AFC East. Uh, fun little nugget there. The Seahawks are three point favorites on the road. Teddy, they're your team. They're the team that you've adopted this season. Tell me why you're rolling with the Seahawks here. Yeah, man. I mean, first off, this is just going to be a great game. So much um, fun. And I think when you take a look at the Bills, um, I think one of their one of the themes throughout the Bills these past couple years, and, and I do it, but you take a look at the Chiefs game this year, you take a look at some some big games they played, maybe against New England at the end of last year, um, and I feel like the narrative, at least for me, maybe a Bills fan has a little more um, expectations, but for me, as an outsider looking in, I feel like the narrative has often been like, okay, look at the Bills, like, they're they're playing good close games against um, against great teams in this league, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're losing them, but at least they're they're in them. 
And I think that, I really do think that this is a pivot point, possibly, for the Bills. Because if they want to actually be this team, yeah, they're 6-2, and two, give them all the credit in the world. If they want to actually be this team that that is at the top of the league, or at least among that top one or top two tiers of teams, these are the type of games they need to win. Right. You know, and I said this about the Rams at the beginning of at the beginning of the season in week three, and they did. They showed up. They won by three. Great on them. You know, but but this this I think is an opportunity for the offense to bounce back after a couple lackluster weeks, um, and I think this is how they prove that or at least take that next step or one of those next steps in order to being a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does that mean I'm going to bet on the Bills? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, you take a look. Last year, if you looked at this game, um, it would have been, my instant thought would have been, okay, two battles of great defenses, great running games. We'll see what happens. This year, I mean, it's pretty bad defenses against pretty great offenses. And maybe right. the Bills, again, have looked lackluster. But I feel like, They've been right on the precipice, and this will be a great opportunity Ooh, for them to turn it on. Big word there, Ted. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, again, I think the Bills have a great opportunity here. I think regardless of win or loss, um, they can at least build some momentum after these last four weeks of their offense just not performing the way that it should. Um, but you can't you can't discredit them for being 6-2. and two. I'm going to take Seattle minus three, but I, I, I bet on the money line. It was only at, like, minus 150. Um, that's what I'm more confident in. I think the Seahawks will win this game. You take Russ. He's the type of player who's going to be able to win these close games. Um, Seattle still has given me no reason to, to stop betting on them. Um, but I do think, I mean, listen, I've been trying to give the Bills love this year. Give them all the credit in the world. This will be a great game to see. Um, but I'm, I'm sticking with Seattle minus three. This is going to be one that comes back to bite me in the butt. I'm going Bills plus three here, um, and I don't love it, but it's kind of like what you were saying. Like they, they need this win more than Seattle does, in my opinion. You know, to actually believe in themselves as as okay. Like yeah, sure, we're six and two, we're ahead of the AFC East, but every time that they've gone up against a tough opponent, they have come out on on the uh, losing side of it. So. Um, you, you get the fact Seattle's traveling across the country for an early afternoon game, uh, kind of like what I was, uh, you know, where I was all over with the Rams and the Dolphins last week. You've got a really good team taking on a uh, less competent one and, and the travel. And um, I also have to think that the Seahawks kind of are, are, this is one of those games where I also think maybe looking ahead a little bit too, uh, too much. Next week is the most important game of their season up to this point. They take on the Rams. The Rams have things wrong. I, I know the Rams lost to Miami this past week, but they are one of the more complete rosters in football still. And um, we'll have a chance to talk about the Dolphins in a little bit and, and more about that game. Um, but the Seahawks have two really big matchups coming up after the Bills. They've got the Rams on the road, and then the week after they host the Cardinals, who of course uh, screwed them out of a, uh, I guess, an un- otherwise undefeated season um, up to this point. I'm going to take the Bills to win. I think they need it more. I do not feel confident about it. Um, but I, I just think the Bills last week, if anything, to take away from that game against New England, they started getting the run game involved a little bit more. Zach Moss had a really good game. Um, now if he can be complimentary to Devin Singletary, I feel better about it. The problem for me with the Bills is their defense. Their defense has been really bad in the front seven this year. Back end I still love. 
And, and fortunately for the, uh, for the Bills, it's not like the Seahawks have a dominant run game or a dominant offensive line. So maybe that doesn't matter a whole lot. And maybe they can defend, you know, Tredavious White. I, I'm excited to watch these cornerbacks face up against the receivers. I think you just take a look at positional matchups throughout the weekend. This is one of the most exciting ones. you got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, Tredavious White in the secondary. And then they've also got this really talented rookie corner, uh, Johnson. I don't, I don't remember his first name, but the Bills' number two corner now is one of these guys that was just like, holy shit, he's been terrific this year as a rookie. So that's a really exciting positional matchup to watch. I just think it's going to be a weird game. The Seahawks are not going to go 15-1. and They're not going to go 14-2. and I'm picking the losses here for them along the way. The Bills already have a few losses on here. I just, I don't love it, but I'm taking the Bills to win. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is a great opportunity to do that. That's right. where you want to stake your claim. You know? Right, exactly. All right, cool. All right. Let's... Wait, never mind. What? I was going to steal the, the intro, but... We have a game before the Dolphins Oh, nice, perfect. You can steal that intro, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this one first. We've got an AFC West showdown going on in Los Angeles. The Las Vegas Raiders, who are now four and three, uh, with a ugly but impressive win over Cleveland last week. Um, that was a, a, a terrifically a terrific uh, coaching job by John Gruden in that game. That was the difference there. Why they won? Uh, the Raiders won that ugly game over the Browns. They're now four and three. The Chargers. Massive collapse um, to Denver the week before. Um, now sitting at two and five. No lead is safe for the Chargers. They're kind of like the West Coast version of the Falcons. Uh, Herbert averaging 303 passing yards per game this season, which is, uh, if it holds, is the NFL rookie record. This one, we got it as a pick 'em. Um, Teddy, I believe I've seen that the Chargers might be one or one and a half point favorites. Now, uh, what's your breakdown of these two uh, these two teams taking on each other? Yeah, um, so well, first, I just you take a look at the Raiders. Um, I think last week, at least for me, um, in terms of my daily fantasy I was playing, and I, I really believed in the Raiders um, over last week against the Browns. Um, I didn't really pay attention to the weather, probably something I should have done. Right, yeah. Um, but I think that kind of stole away the Raiders um, and, and a really good opportunity for them to put up a lot of points. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think this week against the Chargers is another great opportunity for this to be an over game. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. I think the over is at 51 and a half right now. Um, I'm going to take that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then you take a look at the Chargers. They lost another close game. And you <clears throat> you take a look at what we've been saying again about the Chargers all year and why we've been betting on them these past couple weeks. And it's because you look at their schedule. Again, I say it every week. Lost one three-point loss to Kansas City, five-point loss to Carolina, seven-point loss to the Bucks um, in Tampa Bay, and three-point loss to New Orleans. Then last week, one-point loss to Denver. Now, I think that does mean that you would want to give them some credit. And if any, some credit, and if any points were being given to the Chargers, I would probably take them. Um, but... This rookie quarterback in, in Justin Herbert and the team as a whole needs to figure out how to win. You know what I mean? At the end of yes. this game, when it's a one-possession game, they need to figure out how to win. And and I don't want this to be like a big bashing on the Chargers for not knowing how to do that. I think that's what any young quarterback with a, with a team that's trying to figure themselves out, I think that's what you have to do. You know, you have to go through. And every single close game is another opportunity to just learn and learn and learn. Mm -hmm. Um. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. 
I think this is going to be a close one. Um, so especially with Chargers minus points, um, but if we're going off the pick them, I just am going to pick the Raiders based on their experience. Um, they've always been able to um, be a pretty, at least above average team in my opinion. Um, so, so I'm going to go with the Raiders to win this year in a close one in a high scoring battle. I'm with you. I'm going Raiders pick them. Here's the thing that's crazy about the Raiders. You know, you talked about the Chargers and their schedule, the teams they've had to face. The Raiders are the same exact way. The, the easiest opponent that they faced this year was week one against the Panthers, when the Panthers put up 30 points on them. You take a look at the rest of the schedule. They beat the Saints by 10 in week two. They lost to the Patriots by 16, but that was when the Patriots were rolling. They had that shit figured out. They were rolling against Las Vegas, one by 16. Since then, they've had to play the Bills, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the Browns. All teams this year that they faced, you know, outside of the Panthers and New England, are teams that we expect to be in the postseason. Um, so now they come on, they play a, a much lesser defense than they faced all season. This has got to be the worst defense they've played. Um, just looking at the schedule, it, it really is. It's either them or Carolina, and I kind of like Carolina's defense a little bit with some of the rookie play that they've got. So I think I, I'm with you a lot of points in this game, but I'm more so on the side that the Raiders might win this one big. Um, really, it's going to come down to how much Justin Herbert can do to keep them within the game. I am on the boat. I said it last week, and I'm going to stick with it now. This isn't an Anthony Lynn and Justin Herbert aren't going to work together long term. I would I'd much rather move on from Anthony Lynn after this season and find a head coach that is going to fit in to Herbert's style of play. Um, and hopefully they can get that defense turned around pretty quickly in the offseason as well. Um, I'm pretty low on the Chargers being at 2-6. and six. I don't love their defense, don't love their offensive line, and I think the Raiders are being massively underrated here. I, I think really, I think this is a team we have to consider to push for that final wildcard spot in the AFC. You know, I, I expect two of those wildcard spots to go to the second place team in the AFC North or the AFC South. The Titans and the Colts are just going to beat up on the Jaguars and Texans through the rest of the season. So both of those teams will have good enough records to get in the playoffs. So will the Ravens and, and Steelers. So then it comes down to, okay, the Browns, uh, the Dolphins maybe, they've got things rolling a little bit, and then the Raiders. I, I think the Raiders are being massively underrated here. They also have such an easy schedule in the second half of the year. So they play the Chargers this week, they play the Broncos, and then remaining opponents include the Falcons, the Jets, the Broncos and Chargers again, and they also get to play the Dolphins, which, you know, by that point of the season, we'll know a lot about where uh, Miami is going through the rest of their year. So I think the Raiders have something really good uh, rolling. I think they're going to be a team that in the second half of the season really gets things going. Um, they've gotten through the tough part of their schedule, and now they just got to beat these bad teams to get into the postseason. So I'm, I'm really buying in on the Raiders at this point of the season. I could see them winning pretty big here, but I agree at the very least there will be a lot of points scored in this game. Yeah, and, and I just want to hop in, and um, if you take kind of what was one of our consistent themes in the beginning of the, the season when we started doing these podcasts every week, um, and, and every game, every week was an opportunity for us to learn more about these teams, you know? Mm -hmm. And now we're sitting here going into week nine, and we have a solid database, you know, of, you of information about these teams. Um, and I think that's just exciting um and i think that this this is kind of like the juice of the season and obviously we got to make our picks and we got to see how we do but hopefully we can use this information that we have and really 
keep keep it rolling, you know, and, and keep keep our keep our picks above five hundred, and, and keep having a good season that that I think we both have been having, you know, and hopefully mm-hmm. anyone who's listening has been having it. Um, so I'm just really excited as a numbers guy that we have all this backup, and now we're really into this like bulk of the season part. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're right in the middle middle of it. You know, which while it's sad, it's it's exciting. Right. These are the toughest weeks to figure out. You know, the first month into the season, you kind of have a feeling that okay, the teams that really maintained a lot of their roster, coaching staff, are going to start off the year a little bit better. You know, that's why the Saints ended up beating the Bucks in Week One. There's just you know stuff that we couldn't really you know, that we could base off of in the first weeks. This part is the toughest for me because once we get to week, you know, 13 and 14, that's where we've got those teams that are just trying to lose for draft position at that point. That's where the the Jaguars and and teams even like the Cowboys at that point, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are just trying to fight for better draft position. So really, you know, this is, it's great to have all of this now because we have to take it. We have to maximize these next few weeks because they're, they're really important. Sure, the, the end of the season, we might be able to really get some solid weeks in here um, to, to move ahead, but um, this is a, a really important week. Um, so both of us are on the Raiders. So that is the, uh, let's see, it's the third time that we've agreed so far in this show. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you introduce the next game that we have coming up. Yeah, so um, this next game, we have the Rams. Oop, excuse me. <laughs> we have the Dolphins um, coming four out of five last wins. Um, coming into Arizona, take on the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals are minus four and a half. Um, and really, I just wanted to steal this intro from you because I really want to hear um, your take on Tua last week and just the Dolphins as a whole. And I, I just, I really want to tee that up for you um, and just kind of hear your thoughts. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes back. First and foremost, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with with the Giants and talking about Joe Judge. Like, fuck Bill Belichick, man. He hid Brian Flores for so long. He's been in New England since 2004. That's how long he's been with the Patriots. In 2004, he started as a scouting assistant, then was promoted to a pro scout. And then they kept him as a special teams assistant, an offense assistant, and special teams coach. Then he moved to a defensive assistant. Then he became a safeties coach. Then he became a linebacker coach, partial defensive coordinator, and then he got the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. That's why I was, I, I literally, last year I said the Dolphins are going to turn things around quick with Brian Flores, and they are going to be a legit team that I'd say for the next decade is going to be consistently fighting for the playoffs. I said it as early as I think a month into last regular season, and we're starting to see this. Teddy, the Dolphins have the best defense in the AFC East, and I don't really think it's that close. You know, New England's been severely underperforming. Buffalo has as well, too. The Jets have nobody back there. So it's not a whole lot to say that the Dolphins have, you know, the best defense in the AFC East, but how quickly they've been able to turn things around. And with guys that, look, yeah, they they have, uh, you know, they signed Byron Jones for a large contract. They brought in some former New England guys like Kyle Van Noy, but it's a lot of nobodies. They're getting a lot of uh, production uh, based off of not a ton of names in Miami right now. So I love the Dolphins, what they've got going. Defensively, they destroyed the Rams, you know, just as, as Brian Flores did in that Super Bowl two years ago. Um, and it, it, it was a really dominant victory. Here's my problem, though. I didn't, I didn't love what we saw from Tua. I didn't. Um, and, and he didn't have to do much which I get. So they, they really just, they said, hey, we've got this massive lead. We are dominating them. You don't need to do a whole lot. Throw a couple passes, hand the ball off a bunch. Um, but it really wasn't that impressive. He didn't, 
you know, we see Burrow and Herbert come out there and they just have wow throws every week. You know, at least a handful of them where you just go, damn, that early in your NFL career, you're just you're pulling off these plays. Now, how much of it was the coaching staff saying, hey, Tua, do not do much at all in this game? I, I'm not sure. They could have just been holding him back because they said, we have this great lead. We have this great game plan defensively on how to shut down the Rams. So it's like, okay, maybe Tua can have those wild plays, but he just didn't need them. Um, so maybe he'll need them this upcoming week. Maybe we'll see a little bit more. I'm still holding out. I, I was, you know, I, I, I hate to say down on Tua. I didn't love him coming out of the draft. I was really mad that the, the Dolphins did not take Justin Herbert. Um, I, thought that, I thought that that was what they were doing all offseason. That was the plan the entire way. Of course, now he ends up in Los Angeles. I mean, think about if you had Justin Herbert on this team right now. I mean, we might be talking about them as a legit threat to some of the better teams in the AFC. That's how good this Dolphins team has been outside of the quarterback position. Um, so I don't want to overreact. I don't want to be that person that's overreacting to what we saw from Tua. He wasn't asked to do a lot. He didn't have to do a lot. But I, I would love to just see a few wow plays in there. Um, so, you know, as as for last week, um, you know, I, I think the Dolphins really have things rolling. I really do think that this is a team like Teddy. It, as a Jets fan, I mean, you're, you might be having to deal with Bill Belichick light in Miami now. Like, it, it might just be that. I really think that this guy is going to be one of the best head coaches in football for quite some time. Um, and it goes back to what I said about his entire career. He literally had every job in New England. He was a scout. He was a an offensive assistant. He had. Uh, he was a defensive assistant, special teams assistant. Like he did everything in New England, and now he's 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 turning Miami around pretty quick. And I'm rambling on and on. Um, I'm taking the Dolphins plus four and a half in this game. Um, I am. All right, interesting. I'm taking Dolphins plus four and a half. I'm taking them to win the football game. Um, more so just because I really do believe that they are rolling right now, and I think that dynamic quarterbacks never really have a ton of success against this this uh, type of defense. And it goes back to the times that, you know, um, dynamic quarterbacks have played against New England in years past. Here's here's my thing with the, the games. You know, the Dolphins, I, I love their defense. Um, Kyler not throwing to DeAndre Hopkins is still really bad this year. You know, you take away all the completions to Hopkins and he's completing 62% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So that's, you know, all it takes is one cornerback to, to really limit DeAndre Hopkins' abilities, and, and Kyler really struggles. You know, we saw that in the game against Detroit. He had a three-interception game. He is iffy uh, when he can't get things, you know, those easy completions to DeAndre Hopkins. And against Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, I don't know if uh, Hopkins will have the best game ever. Um, the Cardinals are really bad against the run this year, and, and the Dolphins are getting healthy at the running back position. They're going to have some of their guys back this week, like Matt Breida, Jordan Howard. The, the running back rotation is healthier now. Um, I think that this is going to be one of those games where we, we're going to take a look. And, and whether or not Tua has a great game, we're going to look and say, hey, we got to take the Dolphins seriously as a team that can push for the wild card spot. And another thing that we have to say before I quit uh, rambling, Buffalo loses to Seattle and Miami wins here. I mean, God, are we thinking that Miami could potentially win the division? Like It, it, it really has been that quick of a turnaround for Miami where the way that this week falls out, Miami could be pushing for that division title. Um, so, Teddy, I've been talking for a lot now about the Dolphins. I'm glad you teed it up for me because I have so much. I had so much to say about this game. Uh, so I'll pass it on over to you. Yeah, you know, and I'm honestly surprised. I didn't. I didn't anticipate that. Um, for me, 
I, I, I agree with you in what you're saying. I think the Dolphins and Brian Flores have done nothing but improve um, over these past season, over this past season and a half um, that he's been the head coach. But I do, I, I think you're giving him a little too much credit. Um, and I just want to go over last week against the Rams. First of all, the um, Tua and the offense didn't look great. No. Tua didn't have a great game. And number one, I think it's great for a young quarterback to have a defense and a special teams that you can rely on to make plays. Um, but when you look at this game, just going through the numbers, um, you, I'm going to give you the Rams to the Dolphins. Okay, so first down, Rams, 31 first downs, Dolphins, 8 first downs. Total yards, Rams, 471 yards, Dolphins, 145. Total plays, Rams, 92 Dolphins 48. And then here's where the game switches. Turnovers, Rams 4, Dolphins 2. Mm-hmm. So to me, what the, what I what I got from this game, and, and again, I agree I agree with you. I don't think I don't think the Jets, Patriots, or um, Bills have a defense that's better than the Dolphins. But this game, the Ram if if you look at the numbers, it looks like a Rams blowout. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you take into account, you get you get a, a, a fumble an inside the red zone fumble recovery for a touchdown and you get a punt return touchdown and then there you go and and it just the offense didn't have to do a lot to put up the 28 points that they scored to win this game mm-hmm. and you take the flip side the Rams were giving up these scoring opportunities while on when, offense when they could have yeah. punched it in you know what I'm saying oh yeah um and, and I don't think you can rely, as good as the defense is, I don't think you can rely on getting four turnovers a game, mm-hmm. especially when you're giving up two turnovers. I don't think you can rely on a punt return touchdown. I don't think you can rely on all these turnovers leading to short fields for the offense. So for me, you, you take into account the reason I bet against the um, Dolphins last week was because I don't want to buy into a young quarterback. And yeah. again, now listen, I'm not saying that I don't think Tua will ever be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's just, I, I think the, he is going to struggle these first couple games. And I think that that is the plan. Because because if, if, if what you're saying is true, if the Dolphins really want to make this push toward the playoffs, I don't think they'd be starting to. I think right. they would have left in Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. who had won three or four games, or, or two or three, I can't remember when exactly, um, Tua became the starter. No, yeah, I think he, I think Fitzpatrick did start against the Jets. So, yeah, so so to me, I think you're just overreacting a little bit because yeah. you look at the defensive numbers, and other than points scored, they really didn't look great. So for me, Cardinals coming off a bye, you have Cliff Kingsbury and 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 Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and, and Chase Edmonds and guys that I've been believing in all year. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to switch it up. Four and a half, I would like it a lot better if it was three. I will be buying the half point, but. But I, I like Cardinals minus four and a half here. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. It, it, it does sound like a bit of an overreaction here. My thing is, I'm not high on the Cardinals. I get it. They're five and two, and they did just have a, a an extremely fluky win. We have to we have to acknowledge that they should have lost that game to the Seahawks. They should have. They should not have won that game. You know, they, they didn't deserve to win that game, uh, and the Seahawks just screwed up more times than they did. But look at their schedule, man. They've played no good defenses. The Cowboys and the Jets have some of the worst in football. The Panthers, I was complimenting it. They beat the Cardinals by 10. The Lions beat the Cardinals by 3. 
Um, you know, Washington has good front seven, bad secondary. That plays into, you know, the Cardinals' advantage because they don't run the ball a lot and they could just pass happy on, on Washington. And then the 49ers in week one, two was a very interesting game that I just don't think we can really take week one into consideration here. So I take a look at the Cardinals and I say they didn't deserve that win over Seattle and they've only had easy opponents. And I think that this defense is far and away the most difficult that they've faced this season, where I do think that we're going to get some significant turnovers here. I'm I, I'm more so not buying into the Dolphins as I kind of am selling the Cardinals right now. I said from the beginning of the season that they would start, you know, a six and two or a five and three, that they would start the season off with a really great record because their schedule was easy. Because they have the Dolphins, then the Bills, Seahawks again, and just through the rest of the way, they play the Rams twice, the 49ers again, they also play the Patriots. I just don't believe at the end of the day that the Cardinals are going to have enough uh, wins here. Maybe they can sneak into that final wildcard spot in the NFC, but I just I don't love their schedule, and I think people are buying into them a little bit too much because they've had a very favorable schedule this year. Yeah, well, I mean, here we are with another great game that I'm excited oh. to watch. See, yeah, that's the thing. So, I mean, the schedule really does. Even the bad games, I'm just excited to watch. Like, I'm really excited to watch Giants-Washington because I'm, I'm really buying Joe Judge now here. Broncos, Atlanta, like, what is Denver going to do this season? Um, and this Dolphins game is going to be a lot of fun, too. Um, both these teams are obviously, you know, trying to make a push. Both could be 5-3 and three if the Dolphins end up winning this one. So this could be two good teams here that we're watching play. Um, Ted, this game isn't interesting and in any sense of, of the word interesting to me at all. I'm not going to watch a second of this one. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas... Uh, it's, it's awful. Fourth starting quarterback in just as many weeks. Uh, the Steelers, the only undefeated team in football. Pittsburgh has scored 25 or more points in seven straight games, which is a team record. The Cowboys are allowing points uh, to anybody at this point, and the Steelers are two touchdown favorites. Teddy, the Cowboys are 0-8 against the spread this season. There's like this weird thing in my head that's like, at what point are they going to end that streak? Is it going to be this week? Yeah, I mean, probably not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just look at what the Cowboys have been, um, and I think even before before the injury to Dak and the concussion with Dalton, they were already underwhelming. um, And then you just look at what they've done these past three weeks, 10 points against Arizona, or three points against Washington, nine points against against Philadelphia. And Pittsburgh's D is so much better than those defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I mean, 14 obviously is a lot, but you're taking the Steelers' defense against Garrett Gilbert, another quarterback who I've never heard of yeah. um, out of Texas, and I, then I think he ended his career at SMU. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the big spread is scary, but I mean, to be honest with you, I'm expecting the Cowboys to score anywhere between five and nine points. Um, and I'm expecting the Steelers to score at least 24, 30. So, um, I mean, you take a look at Philadelphia and Washington have both put up over 20 points um, and, and let up less than 10 these past two weeks against the Cowboys. So you're, they're bringing in another nobody quarterback, no offense to Nucci, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's 
Steelers minus 14. I mean, I feel like it's the only option here. It really is, yeah. I'm going to take Steelers minus 14. The only thing I could say would get a little interesting is kind of where it got interesting in, in Thursday night football's game between the Packers and 49ers where the backups for Green Bay came in in the fourth quarter and then the 49ers were able to put up two scoring drives at the end. Um I think the Steelers will be able to bench a lot of their starters um, even as early as midway through the third quarter. This is one of the best teams in football taking on uh, one team that looks... Teddy, they look worse than the Jets to me. I'll I'll be honest. They look worse than the Jets to me with these quarterbacks they've got throwing out there. Uh, Steelers minus 14. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, maybe the Jets can play the Cowboys. Let's flex that. Yeah, give them a win there. Um, That'd be sick. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we got two games left. Uh, Sunday Night Football... We talked about it a few times on the show already, a rematch from week one uh, between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams have great records. Both teams look vastly different than they did in week one. We've got the uh, debut of Antonio Brown this Sunday for the Buccaneers, also potentially getting back Chris Godwin in the lineup. Uh, The Saints, it looks like Michael Thomas is back, um, which is great because their offense, while putting up numbers still, you know, mostly in part of of Alvin Kamara, um, they haven't looked that great offensively. Buccaneers open up as four-point favorites. Uh, how do you see this one breaking down between Brady and Breeze? Yeah, I mean, rematch of week one. Um, I think you look at the Bucks coming off of the Giants game. Obviously, that was a weird one. Um, but like we said before, I, or at least like I said before, I really just think that these primetime games, especially when everyone's so one-sided, I felt like everyone I knew thought the Bucks was going to be a lock to cover that spread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... I think that um, people are going to be underselling them a little bit. Then you think of um, the Saints, who have been struggling. Um, I mean, obviously, they've been get, getting their wins, but they've all been close. Um, the, the bigger spread games have been covering for the underdog. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. He may come back, right? But, but right. hamstrings are tricky. I, even if he goes out there, I wouldn't really believe in him. I, I, I want him to get a, a, one more week of... I want him to have like a full week of practice before I'm trusting a hamstring injury to be fully healed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, getting to see AB is going to be exciting, just mostly in terms of seeing the usage and and the, the snap counts and things like that. Um, I think it's funny when you watch. I feel like Bruce Arians just goes out of his way to make to make Tom Brady angry. I mean, you take in. Everyone knows that Tom Brady recruited AB and 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 um, lobbied for AB to to come in, but Bruce Arians says that has nothing to do with Tom Brady. Um, then last week, I I thought it was funny um, when the Bucks were up five, they decided to kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and short. Which at the end of the day, I mean, it did win them that game because the the Giants did score a touchdown and missed the two point two point conversion. Um, but I just, you could tell Brady was like pissed off that they they weren't trusting him with the ball in that situation. Um, so I think that's just a a pretty funny dynamic to watch, I guess. That doesn't really have any bearings on this game. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going Bucks minus four. They've just proven all year that they're the better team than the Saints. The Saints have been like right there and they've been continuing to get their wins, but they're, they're just not the same Saints team that they've always been. Um, so for me, Bucks minus four, um, I'm liking that. Yeah, same here. Bucks minus four. Um, I'm all over it. Uh, there's one problem to me with the Buccaneers' defense, and that's that they can get beaten deep. 
uh, kind of like what we saw in Monday Night Football, where you said Darius Slayton was just wide open down the field sometimes. Um, and, and, of course, Daniel Jones missed him a few times, so that's why they didn't end up getting that win. Uh, so the Bucks are a little susceptible over the top, but the one thing to say about that is Drew Brees can't throw it there. Uh, so it'll be a lot of dink and dunk. I think the, the Buccaneers' defense will be able to handle that. You know, more so, even more of more so than the uh, the Buccaneers' offense being a lot better since Week One. So is their defense. You know, they had some new bodies in there, uh, a starting rookie um, at, at safety. Um, they had some new pieces in at, at corner. So they've been trying to figure that stuff out. They've been one of the more improved units since the early parts of the season. So um, I, I'm going to take the Bucks here minus four. Um, look, I, I just, I, I, you know that I'm down on the Saints this year. I've been down on the Saints for three years. I, I don't think that they've, I've ever considered them a legitimate Super Bowl threat. I just thought that they were a really, um, a really sound football team that was always going to keep things close. Uh, but I think four points here is enough to make me feel comfortable taking the Buccaneers. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, Ted, we can't get out of the week without talking about your New York Jets. Uh, so we've got the New England Patriots. In a, in a doozy, just a, a, a heated rivalry for the past 20 years where the Patriots just always kick the shit out of the New York Jets. Um, Patriots, 2-5, and five, really down year for them. They have looked awful. They have looked awful, so bad. Uh, but they, of course, are playing the uh, only remaining winless team in football, the New York Jets. New England's won eight straight games versus the Jets uh, and open up as 7.5-point favorites. Teddy... I've got some interesting nuggets here. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where you go on this one. <laughs> Great. You know, honestly, this game against the Patriots being on Monday Night Football just seems really rude to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's no need to put more um, like spotlight on the Jets. To me, at least, I know what the Jets are. I'm, I'm bracing myself for this 0-16 season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Patriots, I mean... Last week, we kind of disagreed a little bit on um, where we kind of see the Patriots' season going. Yeah. Sitting here at 2-5, at and five, obviously, there's not much you can do. Um, and I don't expect them to to really bounce back and have, like, this great year. Um, I will say, if somehow the Jets do win this game, I think it's 1,000% Bill Belichick. Yeah trying to lose yep um, i think you put that nugget in my head i did and i was gonna i, think I was gonna bring it up again um but if, if you take a look at the patriots last week i mean they're they're right there with the bills and if cam newton doesn't fumble um on that last drive of the game they're at least going to overtime they were already in field goal range and right. they might have won it i mean the bills didn't oh, yeah. look like they were do, doing anything to stop them on that on that last drive um, so I think that the Patriots minus seven and a half, excuse me, I think that that, um, I think that that shrinks a little bit because the Patriots have been underwhelming this year. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think there's absolutely no chance the Jets can cover this. I mean, you just look really? what the Jets have been doing all year. It, it, they, they haven't shown anything, not one single thing. So I think this is pretty easy, especially Seven and a half seems so low for a Jets game. Um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets can do against a, a different Patriots defense, against an offense that's not really clicking, blah, blah, blah. But I doubt it. I'm going Patriots minus seven and a half. Teddy, I'm taking the Jets. No way. <laughs> I am. I think seven and a half is too much. I think it is. I would take the Jets minus like 13. You, you would take I mean, the, the Patriots, Patriots minus 13? 13? Wow. 
I just, I can't do it. I can't. I know Bill Belichick has just owned the Jets historically, and whether it be, you know, just winning games or covering spread, I just, don't don't the Jets sometimes play them close? Um, no, they used to, but not really. But, but even that, but that was when the the Patriots were dominant. That was when they right. were the, the Patriots, the dynasty. They are not that. They're a bad football team. They really are. I know they kept things close with Buffalo. That was a weird game. The Bills' offense has been sputtering, and the defense is bad. I think the Jets are going to cover this one. I, I, I really just think 7.5 is too much. I could see New England winning by a touchdown. Maybe maybe I'd switch. I, I just... I, I, I'm going to take the Jets plus seven and a half here. I haven't had the chance to bet on them yet this season, so I'm going to go with it for fun. I, I also love the idea that there's a conspiracy theory here that I've created where, hey, maybe Bill Belichick doesn't want to face Trevor Lawrence for the next decade. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe he wants the uh, the Jets to be 2-14 and 14 at the end of this season so a team like Jacksonville gets him. Or, you know, one of those, you know, the Cowboys or, you know, another team that'll be down there. I... I Something about that is just interesting to me because now we've now we've also had Bill come out and acknowledge that they're a bad football team this year. That's the thing. Up until this point, he has just been saying like, look, you know, we've had a lot that we've had to deal with this year. We're adjusting. This week, all he's talked about is like, look, the reason that we're bad this year is because we really did build a dynasty, you know, spent a lot of money the last five years. We couldn't do a whole lot to stay competitive. I think he's trying to ease up you know, everybody's thoughts on the Patriots. So I'm going to take a narrow victory for New England. I, I, I don't think that the Jets are going to win, but I do think it's going to be a close game. I'll say score prediction 24 to 10. 24 to 10. I will give you an ugly, ugly game. I'm going to go uh, 20 to 17 Patriots. I was going to say 19 to 16 would be... Would be more realistic. That would, yeah, that would be, yeah. Because I also, I, I know, you know, aside from, you know, this podcast, they don't know that we do this, but we're in that pick em pool with, uh, with our friend Jack and all of his other friends in there. And I, the total points that I chose, because the, the tiebreaker is total points on Monday Night Football, and I, I made the prediction that I thought it was going to be a 20 to 17 win for the Patriots a few days ago or yesterday. And uh, that total points would be 38 so or 37. So I put a low-scoring game. I don't think either team is going to do a whole lot, and I think the Patriots just barely, barely win this one. Yeah, I mean, you made it a little more interesting in my mind. How, so. how mad are you going to be, though, if the Jets cover and you bet against them? Eh, I'm kind of just – it's a win-win for me, right? Yeah, that's true. That's a true – that's a good point. It's not, not a lose situation. You'll be happy one yeah. other way. But all right, perfect, man. Well, that'll wrap things up. I, I, we talked. We had a lot of good nuggets in this episode. I thought there was a lot of good stuff we talked about. Uh, breakdowns, you know, on the Dolphins. Cardinals was really fun. Uh, Titans, Bears was a really fun conversation, too. Um, Giants, Washington. Raiders, Chargers. A lot of fun ones this week. Uh, before, of course, we wrap up officially, Teddy, um, give me your three best bets for the week. I'll give you mine after, and then we'll, we'll send it on home. Yeah, um, so I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, like we were talking about, I know I, I said it was going to be a close game, but I really do just, with what you're saying about the schedules um, and the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert being young, I just I, I really like the Raiders pick them. I'm going to go Bucks minus four, ride Tom Brady with all those weapons. Um, they've really been clicking. And then I'm going to go Cardinals minus four and a half. I just I, I really feel confident um, in them against the, uh, the Dolphins this week. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I had Dolphins plus four and a half as one of my favorite bets, um, but I'm going to switch that off because I, I do, you know, I've been, my best bets didn't do well last week, and I need to just, instead of just games that I think will be more fun to go the way, I, I just got to be, 
I got to stick true to what actually I think the best bets of the week are. I've been getting a little too creative with it. So I'm going to switch off of the Dolphins just because I get that the Cardinals are a good football team and Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. So I'm going to stay away from that one. Um, so I'll make my three best bets. Raiders pick them. I agree with you there. I just think they're the I think they're the significantly better team. Uh, I'm going to go Giants plus two and a half, and I'm also going to take Broncos plus four. I think I think those are three teams that right now you're getting plus odds on to win those football games. I don't get why they're they're not favored. Um, so I'm taking all three of them. I would take their money lines as well too, just a little bit less money on them. Um, but those are my three best bets: Raiders pick them, Giants plus two and a half, Broncos plus four. What a week, man. I'm excited. Let's go. It's a, it's a really fun week. I'm excited to see. And also, things to consider, we don't agree on a lot here. So if I have a shit week, you're right back up there in the year-long standings um, where you could really make a significant jump on me this week. So uh, we'll have to keep track of that. Um, but, yeah, Teddy, thanks again for coming on. Uh, week 9 will be a fun one. We'll, of course, have you back on next Friday to discuss week 10 of the NFL season. Um, but in the meantime... Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to uh, rate, uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, share it with your friends. Um, hopefully you can win some money with us and hopefully we keep things rolling along. I uh, hope you guys take some some fun insight and analysis from all these games. Uh, Teddy, anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off? I'm good, man. I'm just excited. Let's win some money. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. For Teddy Pristash, I'm Blake Pace, and we'll talk to you next week. See you.